Welcome to the Alexander Baptist Church podcast. My name's Craig Ashby, pastor at Alexander Baptist Church. Great that you could join with us. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, a quick question just to kind of kick things off. How is lockdown 2.0 going for you? You know, when you pause for a minute, it feels like much of our world is changing. You know, cast your mind back 18 months ago to February 2020. Do you remember what that was like when you could go to the supermarket and there was no need to queue up outside the shop? Or you could go out for a meal and a movie and you didn't have to log your movements or scan a code or anything? Or when you could travel freely around uh, our country or even around the world and, and all you needed was a passport and some clothes. You didn't need proof of a vaccine and to spend two weeks in MIQ. You know, a lot of those freedoms that we took for granted have been drastically reduced, definitely in the short term anyway, as much of our world has changed. Now, please hear me out. I'm grateful that our world is not crumbling and it's not collapsing. I mean, it might feel like it. You know, perhaps last week you tidied up the garage and you sorted the shed and then you mowed the lawns and you, you know, dug over the garden and then there was nothing left to do. And it just felt like our world was caving in. But you know, the reality is that so far New Zealand has handled this COVID-19 pandemic pretty well compared to many other countries at least. We haven't had the huge numbers of hospitalizations. We haven't had the thousands of deaths that sadly so many other nations have experienced. But as this pandemic continues, uh, our world is definitely changing. There's no doubt about it. We are living through turbulent times. Now, I've got a bit of a history background, and I think it's important to remember that, uh, nevertheless, there were still times in world history which have been just as turbulent, perhaps even more so. There's been episodes and events in people's lives that have been far more disruptive than what we're currently living through. When you think back to the first half of the 20th century, World War I and World War II were utterly devastating. Or if you go back further, starting in the 16th century, the Atlantic slave trade forcibly transported Africans from their homeland across the Atlantic into the Americas for over 300 years. We'll go back to medieval Europe, the 13th century, where the bubonic plague absolutely decimated Europe. One third of the population died. It's estimated to be around about 20 million people. I mean, those are just uh, an example of catastrophic world events which really challenged and changed the way people lived. It, it changed the way they thought and, and what they did. And you know, as I've been sort of reflecting on that lately, I've been wondering what it would be like to live through times like those. I mean, how did people handle such massive upheaval? How did people keep perspective in the midst of those huge challenges? And so... Just want to share with you something a little bit different. If you've been with us over the last few weeks at ABC, you'll know that our, our current teaching series is called New. We've been exploring uh, the life and uh, activity of Jesus, and we're discovering that he came to bring something new to our world, but he also came to do something new for our world. But I just want to push pause on that and uh, and just in this message introduce to you someone who lived through very turbulent times and and discover the perspective that this person had uh, for Christians particularly as they could navigate a changing world. So the person I want to introduce to you this morning 
uh, is a man called Aurelius Augustinianus, and most people would know him as Augustine. He lived a very, very long time ago, in the 5th century, during the collapse of the Roman Empire. Now, this is really significant. For 500 years, the Roman Empire had dominated the Mediterranean world. And then in the year 410, barbarian hordes swept down from modern-day Germany and, and captured Rome, the eternal city of the empire. And these barbarians wrecked just devastation and destruction. Buildings were burned, valuables were stolen. In the city of Rome, there was almost one million people living there at the time, and many of them were killed and many more were taken hostage. And so the fall of Rome was a huge shock for people living at the time. In fact, it was the first time in over 800 years that the city of Rome had fallen to a foreign enemy. And in the midst of that dramatic social change, Augustine offered encouragements and insights for Christians. Before we look at what he said and, and how he encouraged people to live in those turbulent times, I just thought it'd be helpful if we uh, unpacked and, and had a little glimpse of his life journey and some of the experiences that shaped him because Augustine's life story parallels uh, much of our own story. I think you'll find there's a lot of crossover between his story and parts of our own story. So Augustine was born in North Africa, which is modern-day Algeria, uh, and he had a, a younger brother, a younger sister. His father was a man called Patricius. He was a, a pagan Roman, active in the local government. And Augustine's mother was a lady called Monica. She was a devout Christian, very committed, and prayed relentlessly for her children, especially for Augustine. And by all accounts, Augustine needed those prayers. His father was very demanding, and he wanted his children to have a better life through education. But Young Augustine was quite rebellious. He had a, a stubborn streak and he hated schoolwork. He thought it was absolutely pointless. When he was older, he wrote an autobiography called The Confessions. And, and in that, uh, there was a, a section where he reflected on his childhood attitude towards schooling. And when he was a child, Augustine uh, thought this as a direct quote, what on earth is the purpose of repeating one plus two equals three? Now, if you've had children at home these last few days uh, because of the lockdown, I'm sure you can relate to some of those challenges. You know, just like many children, Augustine would rather play games with his friends, but by the time he got into his early teenage years, those games had escalated. By his own admission, Augustine and his friends went out actively looking for trouble. On one occasion, they stole some pears from a neighbor's property, and, and they, the crazy thing is they didn't even eat the pears. They just threw the pears to some pigs. And years later, Augustine still felt terribly guilty about that uh, moment. In fact, he interpreted and tried to understand and figure out the motivation behind his sin. He, he took it very, very seriously. In fact, this is a quote from his uh, autobiography. He writes this, The pleasure I got was not from the pears. It was in the crime itself enhanced by the companionship of my fellow sinners. My pleasure in it was not what I stole, but rather the act of stealing. And, and as he tracked through the rest of his life, Augustine wrestled with that ever-present undertow of evil, the, the enticing temptations of the world. And, and I think if we're honest, many of us are like Augustine. We, we see that lifelong struggle with sin. 
Well, for Augustine, that only got harder as he got older. When he was 19, sadly his father died and the family fortunes started to head downhill. But thankfully there was a wealthy businessman who saw the potential in Augustine. They recognised his sharp mind and so this businessman sponsored Augustine for further education. So Augustine went to the city of Carthage on the North African coast of the Mediterranean and, and at that time Carthage was a prestigious city but a very pagan city. Roman gods and goddesses were worshipped in multiple temples across the city. And at Carthage, Augustine got tangled up in the distractions and the desires of youth. This is what he writes. I came to Carthage where a cauldron of illicit loves was seething all around me. I found it sweet to love and be loved in return, especially if I could also enjoy the body of the person I loved. So I polluted the fresh water of friendship with the filth of lewdness and muddied its clear stream with the hell of lust. But even though I was so disgustingly sinful, I was also so incredibly vain that I would act as though I was an elegant man about town. You know, far away from his hometown, far away from his family, Augustine threw himself into the sensual delights of the city. He took a mistress and fathered a son. But at the same time, he also focused himself on his studies. Augustine studied music, mathematics, rhetoric and oratory, and philosophy, and he developed his increasingly sharp mind. He had a strong voice as well, and he was an avid reader, particularly of the works of Cicero, a Roman philosopher who emphasized the value of wisdom. You know, despite all those sensual pleasures on offer, Augustine still had a hunger for truth. He felt an emptiness in his soul, and he began to explore a variety of religious ideas and philosophies. Now at that time, in the late 4th century, Christianity was legal. It had been uh, declared the official religion of the Roman Empire about 50 years prior. And so because Christians were no longer persecuted, the Christian faith was growing and thriving. But there was also a, a, a residue. A lot of those ancient Roman beliefs and practices were still continuing, and, and many of the ancient Roman gods and goddesses were still worshipped. And added to that mix was a number of exotic religions from the Far East, particularly one known as Manichaeism. And so, so the religious marketplace was really crowded. There was lots of options. And for several years, throughout his mid-twenties, Augustine explored the idea of Manichaeism. Manichaeism originated in uh, Persia, and it emphasized reason and science and philosophy and really kind of drilled in on the battle between good and evil and those ideas appealed to Augustine. But by the time he got to his late 20s, Augustine uh, was affected by the death of a very close friend and he sought comfort in his Manichae faith. He met up with a respected Manichae leader to ask him a whole lot of questions but Augustine was disillusioned with his responses that he received. The Manichae leader was uneducated and, and unintelligent, and Augustine found his answers unsatisfactory. So he eventually ditched the Manichaean movement and became increasingly skeptical of their ideas. But in his quest for satisfaction, Augustine believed that he might find some of the answers he was seeking in the city of Rome. So he uh, planned to move to Rome, and his mother, Monica, uh, made it clear that she intended to go with him. Now, Augustine was not 
keen on this idea. And so on the day that he was planning to leave, he took his mother to church uh, and got her set up and got her praying. And uh, he said he would just go and say farewell to a friend, but instead he skipped down to the harbor and jumped on a ship and left his mother behind. Not something I'd recommend. Anyway, in Rome, Augustine set up a school and it was a business failure. The students attended the class, but when it came time to pay the tuition fees, they were nowhere to be seen. Nevertheless, another wealthy patron was impressed by Augustine, impressed by his brilliant intellect and his skills at public speaking. And so Augustine was promoted to a very prestigious position in Milan, which at this point was the capital of the Roman Empire. He was given the professorship of rhetoric, where he was responsible to teach students how to think and how to speak. And basically, Augustine was like the PR guy. He was a voice piece for the government. He had a very influential role. It was a role full of privilege and power and ultimately prosperity. And during his time in Milan, Augustine was introduced to the Bishop of Milan, a man by the name of Ambrose. He was the leader of the Christians in that city. Now, Ambrose was a man of dignity and sincerity. He was educated and devoted to the cause of the church. He was also well known for his powerful preaching and teaching. And so Augustine ended up attending church just primarily so he could get some tips and tricks for public speaking. And as a fellow intellect and a fellow speaker, Augustine admired Ambrose for his speaking skills, but he was quite skeptical about his Christian beliefs. But over the next three years, Augustine formed a close friendship with Ambrose, close enough that he was able to ask him significant questions that, was, that were on Augustine's mind. And Augustine was impressed by Ambrose's answers. They were thoughtful. They were insightful. But not only that, Ambrose had the wisdom and the peace which Augustine was searching for. And together the two would read the Old Testament scriptures and talk about it and and uh, Ambrose would unpack that for Augustine. And, and Augustine writes of those experiences, he found them quite enlightening. He writes this, At such times, when we were reading the scriptures together, I am conscious of something within me that plays before my soul and is light dancing in front of it. Now clearly God was at work at his, in his heart, so much so that at the peak of his career, Augustine decided to retire. Now, this was a huge decision. I mean, he was the professor of rhetoric in the city of Milan, the capital of the empire. It was a, a privileged role, very influential, had a lot of wealth from it, very powerful, and he chose to walk away, to leave the rat race of the city, to move to the countryside so he could pursue truth. Because at this point in his life, Augustine felt soul sick. Despite getting everything he thought he wanted, he felt empty and unsatisfied. But even moving to the country could not solve his disquiet. On one particular occasion, he was so agitated, so upset that he went out into the garden of the villa. And in the garden, he heard a child's voice saying these words, Take up and read. Take up and read. And Augustine understood that to be a sign from God. He went back into the house, and on the table he saw... Uh, on a pile of papers, he saw the letter from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Christians. And Augustine opened that up, and the first words that he read were these. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. 
So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. In that moment, Augustine was convicted and he surrendered his life to God. One of the first people he told was his mother, Monica, and she was overjoyed. Her long-suffering prayers had been answered. God had turned her grief into gladness. And Monica praised God, quoting the Apostle Paul from Ephesians 3. She said, all glory to God, who is able to do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. Well, Augustine threw himself into learning the basics of the Christian faith. And not long after, at the next Easter, uh, along with his teenage son, Augustine was baptized by Bishop Ambrose. And as Augustine emerged from the pool, he was clothed with a new white robe to represent the purity of the new life that he was going to now live with Jesus. Well, Augustine uh, returned to North Africa with the hope of establishing a Christian community. And while it was an inspirational idea, it was also one filled with heartache. His mother, Monica, died on the journey home, sadly. And then when they reached the shores of North Africa, not long after that, Augustine's teenage son became ill and also sadly died. You know, despite that sadness, Augustine was able to set up a Christian community, one which valued simplicity and, and the sharing of life. And Augustine really enjoyed the quiet life, a quiet life of contemplation and service. And one day, Augustine was attending church in the nearby city of Hippo uh, in North Africa. And uh, the crowd gathered around him, a bunch of church members, and they, they literally grabbed Augustine and they pressured him to be ordained as priest. Now, he was initially very reluctant to this, but eventually agreed to become a priest in the city of Hippo. And, and then four years later, when he was 41 years old, Augustine became the bishop of Hippo, the leader of the Christian church in that city. For the next 35 years, Augustine worked tirelessly for the benefit of his people. He was caring and advocating for their spiritual and physical needs, and he also focused on writing and preaching which was actually very timely because there was a number of false teachings circulating around the empire. And so it's estimated that Augustine preached up to 10,000 sermons. He wrote numerous books and articles to encourage and equip his parishioners in their faith. And one of his writings was, uh, <clears throat> I said earlier, the Confessions, which has been um, recognized as the first autobiography by a Western Christian. It's been hugely influential for many Christian writers in the subsequent centuries. Because it's more than just Augustine's life story. It's a collection of his spiritual reflections and also some of his theological thought, and, and well worth a read. But arguably, his greatest contribution was his work known as The City of God. It took 13 years to complete. It's over 1,000 pages. And Augustine wrote this book in response to the capture of Rome and the eventual collapse of the Roman Empire. Because as, as I mentioned earlier, this was a very unsettling time for many people. The, the capture of Rome 
upend the order and the stability of the world as they knew it. So in that year 14, when those Germanic tribes invaded and captured Rome, and when much of the city was destroyed through looting and plundering, and churches were burned, and citizens were tortured and killed, it was hugely disruptive. And at the time, critics argued that this disaster was because 50 years earlier, the Roman Empire had officially adopted Christianity. So therefore, the ancient Roman gods, they were exacting their revenge. And the chaos of this crumbling empire really confused people. People were unsure about what to do and, and who to believe in. So Augustine responded to counter these criticisms. And in his work, he highlighted the power of the Christian God throughout human history. He traces the arc of two kingdoms, the kingdom of the earthly city and the kingdom of the heavenly city, right from creation through to eternity. And from the beginning of time, Augustine reveals that the earthly city has been focused on itself and the heavenly city has been focused on God. This is what he writes. These two cities were made by two loves, the earthly city by the love of self and the heavenly city by the love of God. And according to Augustine, it was this divergent focus which caused huge tension and conflict. People had to make a choice about which city they would belong to. And in his work, Augustine reminds his readers that it's the heavenly city which has the true hope, not just for this life, but also for the life to come. He writes this, But the possession of the happiness of this life, without the hope of what is beyond, is but a false happiness and profound misery. The true blessings of the soul are not now fully enjoyed. For it is no true wisdom which does not direct all its observations manly actions, virtuous self-restraint, and just activity to that end in which God shall be all and in all in a secure eternity and perfect peace. And on the rest of his pages of the City of God, Augustine encourages Christians to see the bigger perspective and to trust that God is always at work in our world and in our lives. God is actively building his kingdom and seeking to fill it with worthy citizens. You know, in this vein, Augustine picked up the thoughts of the Apostle Paul uh, from the New Testament when he reminded the Christians in Philippi that they are citizens of heaven. You know, in the midst of the challenges that Christians face, we can be confident that God's got it sorted, that, that he is sovereign, that he is work showing and sharing his grace with those who trust him. Well, the city of God uh, has been influential for the last 1,600 years, not just in terms of a work of theology, but also influence, influencing politics, ethics, and morality. In fact, according to Time magazine, they uh, believe that Augustine has exerted a major intellectual, spiritual, and cultural force across Western society in each of the 16 centuries that he lived. You know, Augustine has a significant legacy which we still uh, are drawing upon. Many of the details of the doctrines which we believe and of the practicalities which we live out our Christian faith were worked out by Augustine centuries ago. And so the purpose of just sharing Augustine's story with you is to highlight that this guy, despite his intellectual brilliance, despite his 
theological insights still struggled in his quest for truth. He still wrestled with temptations. He had doubts, he had questions, but ultimately he landed not with a philosophy or a set of principles, but with a person. Augustine found rest for his troubled soul at the feet of Jesus. And despite all his personal challenges, despite the calamity of the world around him, Augustine was secure in the sovereignty and the grace of God. On August the 28th, in the year 430, Augustine died. And his city of Hippo was under attack by a barbarian tribe known as the Vandals as he passed away. In fact, the Vandals had laid siege to the city and caused huge amounts of suffering for the people that Augustine loved and served. But in the midst of that chaos, in the midst of his final days, Augustine trusted the sovereignty of God. He knew that the heavenly city would neither fall nor falter. And if God's grace can carry Augustine through a turbulent life, through troubled times, then he knew that God could do that for others. Augustine found his rest and his peace in God. In fact, arguably the most famous quote of all Augustine's writings comes from his Confessions, where he writes this, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. You know, that's my prayer for you, that you would find rest in God's generous grace. That just like Augustine, you'd be confident that despite the changes that are happening in our world, God's eternal kingdom is unshakable. The heavenly city is your home. Now, I really hope you've uh, found that interesting, maybe insightful. Let, let me know if you've enjoyed a bit of a deep dive into the historical archives. And um, as always, if you've got any questions or if we can help in any way, don't hesitate to get in touch via the ABC website, alexbaptist.co.nz, or our Facebook page, Alexandra Baptist Church NZ. Or feel free to give me a call or an email. It would be great to hear from you. So, hope you have a great day, and God bless you heaps.